Hi, everyone. As we continue our six-part series on what happens before the transaction in partnership with the Leaders in Payments podcast, this episode focuses on card issuing. We explore the history of card issuing, key players and technologies, trends, and what the future looks like. So let's start the podcast now. This special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast, titled Be Solid, is brought to you in collaboration with NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale. In this six-part series, we'll take a look at what has to happen before the transaction, as well as business processes and tools that can help your business, whether you're an ISO, ISV, Payback, or bank. We'll also take a look at the latest trends in the digitization of cash and card issuing as they ultimately drive money movement. In a world full of squares and stripes, be solid. If you think about credit cards industry, it's a highly concentrated industry among a few large players. Within the U.S., you know, you have 4,000 banks, you have 4,000 credit unions, and uh, probably as many fintechs who might want to integrate cards into their programs. But if you look at the card market share, 80% of the market share is still owned by the top 10 credit card issuers. That was Anil Goyle, the CEO of CoreServe, and he is my special guest on this episode, episode 251 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. As we continue our deep dive into the Be Solid campaign brought to you by NMI, Anil and I discuss card issuing. Anil provides a brief history of card issuing, as well as discusses some of the key trends, including the use of APIs, the use of cards for B2B payments, and virtual cards. We also talk about CoreServe and what makes them unique in the marketplace. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Anil, and welcome to this episode of the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we're looking at all the things that have to happen before a transaction. Obviously, issuing cards is one of those things, so we're going to dive deep into that today. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. appreciate you having me on. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe a little personal and professional background, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. I grew up in New Delhi, India, and I uh, did my bachelor's in engineering from Indian Institute of Technology. Came to U.S. in 1989, and thereafter I joined the graduate studies at uh, Rensselaer, better known as RPI, in upstate New York, and I completed my master's in PhD in um, math optimization and decision sciences. After graduation, my first job was at a bank, which was actually a monoline credit card issuer. My first role was to create a custom credit scoring model, which really helped me understand, you know, what goes into credit scoring and how important it is and, you know, impact on lending from a credit scoring perspective. And then I joined, you know, in management consulting area, mostly working with credit card issuers as well, such as American Express in strategy and optimization. You know, I've been in the financial services industry for about three decades and have worked at some of the major credit card issuers, including Citibank and Bank of America along the way. Before CoreServe, I was heading up the credit card program for SunTrust Bank, and that program was outsourced to our previous company. You know, over the years, I've worked in, you know, multiple departments such as risk, marketing, pricing, overall program management, and 
it really helped me appreciate you know the dependencies across the different areas and how complex you know card issuing can be and that it takes a team to do it well let's dive into coreserve so tell us what coreserve does yeah at coreserve our mission is to make payment card issuing easy for our clients and so we work with you know, financial institutions such as banks and credit unions. We work with institutions who want to launch a, a co-brand program and customize it to integrate to their products. We work with fintechs who want to embed payment card issuing into their offering through APIs from our infrastructure. You know, those are the types of companies we work with. While most of our programs are in the credit card space, we also launch prepaid and debit cards. So in other words, if you're looking to issue cards for your customers, you know, you would have come to the right place at CoreServe. We were founded in 2009 and all the co-founders worked together at a prior company, which was bought by another bank. That bank decided to shut down the office in Atlanta, where we were based at that time. So many of us didn't have plans to move to the Midwest area, and we decided to come together again and launch CoreServe. And so that's how we got started. And we have today 85 employees, and all of them are U.S.-based. We do not have any overseas staff. We're still hiring with several open positions. We are uh, profitable and we have over 35 clients and more to be announced soon. Majority owned by um, employees and we are very passionate about card issuing and really have designed our offerings to suit our clients. We're also a fully remote environment. In fact, we have employees in 13 different states in the U.S. And when we got started in 2009, Coming to the office was optional for most employees, so we set ourselves up well in this new age. All right, well, let's dive into the topic of card issuing, and obviously you've, you've had quite the career in it, so can you give us a quick history about card issuing? Yeah, sure. You know, before we had general purpose cards that can be used anywhere, there were department store cards that could go back to 1920s or 30s maybe where you could only use the card or you know for that specific merchant who gave you credit then diners club launched a charge card which could be accepted at many travel and restaurants which is sort of a precursor to a more of a general purpose charge card i think that was probably in the 1950s in 1960s bank of america introduced bank americard which was later spun off to become Visa, and that it was the first revolving debt credit card, which means you didn't have to pay your bill in full. It was, you know, the, the buy now, pay later. And that's how we have credit cards where you can either pay now, you can pay later and spread the payments out. So that set the stage for card issuing, uh, mostly in credit card area. And so credit card, you know, issuing has been around for decades and the acceptance, the usage, you know, and the technology, of course, has changed substantially. So just to give you a little bit of perspective, you know, you have two sides in the transaction for cards. There is a merchant side where the merchant 
works with their bank and their point of sale provider to accept credit cards. So that side is called the acquiring side. And then you have the cardholder side where the issuing bank enables features and works with the cardholders to you know, use the card. And that's the issuing side. So we, we work on the issuing side of the business. There is a message that connects the two sides. In the 1980s, there was an international messaging standard that was introduced called the ISO 8583, and it's still in use today. And so when you use the card at the merchant, the merchant captures the information and sends that ISO message request to the card network, whether it's Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, and then the network routes it based on the first six or eight digits of the card to the appropriate processor or the issuer. And then a decision is rendered, you know, whether it's approved or declined for that transaction. So all of this happens fairly quickly, you know, required to happen within seven seconds, but of course happens much sooner in, in most cases. So from that standpoint, if you think about, you know, historically for several decades, the basic messaging hasn't changed. But if you look at the controls, you know, that can be possible, the product features, the strategies, the marketing, the user experience, mobile enablement, you know, all of that has changed substantially. And there's a lot more customization uh, now possible with all these new technologies and capabilities based on who your target customer is. So for example, you know, the strategies, the process, the risk might be very different for uh, let's say a $500 secured card. If you look at a, you know, a high-end rewards card with 50,000 credit line, that might have a totally different strategy and user experience versus even, you know, there is a purchasing card which could be you know, let's say a $10 million line of credit for a, for a company, for a large corporation. And so that would have, you know, a whole set of new capabilities as well. So really, depending upon who your customer is, you know, that's the umbrella of credit cards, but you can really tweak the features and functionality based on what their needs are. You sort of mentioned this, but, you know, what are the technologies today and then how much and how different is that than, say, five or 10 years ago? Yeah, you know, the technology landscape is really ripe with new ideas. But in my view, much of that enablement is because of APIs. And so APIs really, you know, let us enhance the customer experience. And, you know, whether it's our mobile app or our client's mobile app, all of the functions and services that are offered for customer experience or call center experience or program administrator, all of those are managed through APIs. And, you know, a couple of examples I'd give you is, uh, say, for example, a fintech client of ours would want to block a card on their app and they could just, uh, you know, send us an API request to do so. If a purchasing card administrator for a company wants to issue a virtual card with spend controls, you know, for a specific payments to a vendor, and they would basically, the, the portal would send us an API request uh, to enable that. So the beauty of all the APIs is that the underlying modern technology could vary among the systems. 
And the integration is really through the data exchange over the API calls. And so that really, I think, enables a lot more innovation and customization. All of our systems, you know, have API first foundation. You know, you asked about how it has changed. So in the past, the integration was very difficult, you know, because even actually even the major card players and processing processors still use legacy mainframe technology, which doesn't really lend itself very well to API integration. And then I would say further, you know, beyond APIs, you know, there are, of course, some table stake capabilities and technologies such as, you know, security and reliability. And that is very important in the payment business, how your infrastructure is designed and how that is deployed, who has permissions, you know, how are you automating all of that? How are you storing the data? You know, for example, all of our sensitive data in our systems is tokenized. So, you know, I think it is, of course, become much easier with the newer, you know, technologies and the hardware uh, to to be able to bring up a program. But what goes on behind the scenes from an infrastructure setup perspective, it's fairly still fairly complex. But we make it easy, you know, to enable it through APIs, which is when you can try to customize the card program for the needs of the customer. So you were talking about the APIs and what a difference it's made. So I assume that using that technology has accelerated the time frame in order to go from an idea to a launched card program. I would assume that has accelerated that time frame exponentially. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, not just the time frame, but you think about the expense, the investment that's required and the capabilities that you can use. The feature functionality, you know, is much richer. So definitely all of these APIs have enabled us to be able to launch the card programs much quicker and much more cost effectively as well for our customers. And, you know, it seems to be a trend with, and you mentioned that some of your customers are fintechs, but there's a lot of fintechs and payments companies, whichever word you want to use for them, that are launching these card programs. So, you know, what are your thoughts on on that trend? If you think about, you know, credit cards industry, it's a highly concentrated industry among uh, a few large players. Within U.S., you know, you have 4,000 banks, you have 4,000 credit unions, and uh, probably as many fintechs, you know, who might want to integrate cards into their programs. But if you look at the card market share, 80% of the market share is still owned by the top 10 credit card issuers, very highly concentrated. And in fact, you know, 99% of the institutions don't even have a card program of their own. And there are good reasons for that. You know, chief among them are the expense and the expertise needed to launch a card program. The initial investment to launch a card credit card program, it could be in millions if you really build from scratch. And it requires expertise in at least a dozen disciplines, you know, looking at fraud, marketing, risk, compliance, settlement, and so forth. And so really doesn't make sense to build something from scratch for anyone unless they're going to build a huge volume, right? But, you know, to your point, that has really changed with new technologies and with the offerings such as what Courser provides. It is relatively inexpensive now to launch a card program. And, you know, in fact, some of our customers have 
achieve profitability within one month of launching their card program. So, you know, most of those customers that we have would really never have even thought of launching their own card program if we didn't have a technology similar to what we have today. So this is really what excites us. We see a huge opportunity to level the playing field, if you will, you know, whether it's for fintechs, for brands, for banks to offer credit cards to their customers. And we try to make it easy and profitable for them to do so. So beyond the trend of fintechs and payments companies launching their own programs, what are some of the other current key trends in the card issuing today? When most people think about credit cards, you know, they think of consumer credit cards. We see a big trend in B2B payments. There is a significant growth opportunity over the coming years in commercial cards. And so these are cards issued to a company, maybe even to larger corporations for making payments to their suppliers. And much of that payment still happens through ACH, through checks, even wires in many cases. Commercial credit cards, particularly virtual cards, really make it very easy to track payments, to reconcile automatically, to integrate with the APAR systems. This is the trend that really accelerated during COVID, you know, when employees couldn't reach offices or they weren't available to reconcile. And so we see that this trend is going to really continue and the industry is largely underpenetrated. I mean, there are also other factors like, you know, you know, payment friction that you have in disputes. It's uh, much easier in a credit card environment. The fraud is almost non-existent in a virtual card space where the controls are really tied to who can receive those payments and how much. So we see B2B payments on commercial cards, you know, to have a significant opportunity for us. And, and we've made you know, large investments in our technology to offer full-featured commercial cards. What do you think all of these trends, what do they mean to the economy as a whole? Yeah, I mean, you know, payments infrastructure is really very hard. And this is what we do. We build infrastructure, but payment enablement doesn't have to be hard. You know, we, we try to make it easy for our customers to use the payment infrastructure and make it easy for them. But if you think about a general economy, you know, from a B2B payment perspective, that has significant implications. Financial health of the businesses could improve because the cost of payment processing is cheaper and faster for them. The, uh, the working capital, working cash flows could be optimized. If you think about digitization of payments and automation, it could allow the employees, you know, really focus more on their core capabilities, you know, than, than having to spend time on ancillary activities like payments. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It just seems like all of this like is converging at the same time with the, the ability to do, like you said, the virtual cards for the B2B world. So there's so many of these trends that are coming together. But what does it look like when you kind of get the crystal ball out and look out five to seven years from now? You know, what, what do you think that starts to look like? Yeah, you know, we've used the word card, and card issuing, and really card is uh, nothing but an account number which is embossed on a card, but it doesn't have to be, you know, on a card, right? As long as you provision that account to a device, whether it's a mobile device, whether it's, you know, a bracelet, whether it's a ring or any other 
you don't have to have a physical card. So, you know, we see that card issuing is really going to evolve to having, you know, that account number enabled, whether it's mobile enablement or, you know, being able to use it through other means. You're just using that account to manage, you know, the credit, you know, and the payment space. And then I would also say the customer experience is going to continue to evolve. You know, for if you think of Gen Z, they want to do everything on the phone, you know, in a self-service environment. And so more and more features and mobile enablement, you know, will become richer on the mobile side. And the customer experiences would be more self-service rather than calling a call center. We talked about virtual cards and whether it's for businesses, for consumers, we think that the usage will continue to increase for virtual cards, you know, because it's got a lot of advantages. And I mentioned fraud as one and reconciliation and even uh, for a consumer to use virtual card to add a service, a subscription service, which they can easily delete later on from a virtual card perspective. So We think virtual card acceptance and usage is going to continue to increase as well. And then, of course, you have artificial intelligence that we think could impact in multiple areas, whether it's in analytics, whether it's in, you know, personalized marketing, whether it's in customer service areas. You know, many of the AI systems that we hear about today are trained on Internet-based information. But in when you talk about the payment space, you know, it has to be highly secure. So I believe that, you know, when we have uh, AI systems more efficient, which can be trained on proprietary knowledge and proprietary data that is internal to the company, you know, that would be a game changer as well. Yeah, well, let's take all this that we've talked about and circle back to CoreServe. What are all these trends mean to you guys there at CoreServe? Yeah, I mean, you know, we are fortunate to have employees who are passionate about this business. And as I talked about, you know, payment infrastructure, Building that requires a lot of disciplines and the knowledge uh, and expertise in that. And we are really focused on in delighting our clients and making it easy for them. Technology is definitely a key differentiator for us. But I would also add that expertise and experience that our folks bring to the table also, you know, stands us apart. Whether it's a mid-sized bank, a large regional bank, a brand or a fintech, you know, we are here to to see how we can help them. and But we're always learning and monitoring the trends and addressing our client needs, and we'll continue to innovate and really looking forward to growing. Okay, well, I know we've covered a lot of ground so far, obviously about the company and, and a little about your background and obviously the trends in card issuing. And I think it's interesting, one of the takeaways is, for me, is thinking about you know the word card, like you said. I mean, at what point does a card not need to be a card at all and it's and it's issuing and virtual issuing instead of virtual card issuing. So I think that's kind of a, a takeaway for me to think about. But we've covered a lot of ground so far. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up the show? No, you had some really good questions, Greg. I thoroughly enjoyed it and thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely. So thank you for being on the show today. I know your time's very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here. Appreciate it. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for listening to this episode in our special series, Be Solid, brought to you by NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale. 
For more information on what happens in payments before the transaction and this episode, please visit nmi.com forward slash resources forward slash podcasts. And remember, in a world full of squares and stripes, be solid. <laughs>